Ah, the mainstream media, they do so much to try to make you believe so many things, don't they? GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Is Nikki surging in the Republican presidential primary? That's been the claim from the national press for the last several weeks as she's pulled into a close third place nationally while showing strength in New Hampshire. And the narrative is that she has positioned herself as the strongest competitor to Donald Trump if the race were to become a two-way affair after Iowa. But there's a, little, there's a few problems with this. A few problems. And we get this new poll, which, you know, hey, I, I, give, I don't give a lot of credence to polls, Okay. And on the text line of being asked, is there an Upstate Warrior Solution event this week? Yes, there is. Going to be there Wednesday. 10 to noon doing the show. Then at 12, uh, Ingalls is going to cater lunch for all of you that show up. Anyway, back to the, the poll is at Clarity Campaign. And it's it's a pretty simple question. And it's pretty, it, it's not hard to uh to suss out what they're asking. If Trump wasn't on the ballot, who would you vote for? And remember this, to beat Trump, you have to win over his voters. Okay? So 40% of them said DeSantis, 23% Ramaswamy, 12% Haley, 2% Christie. DeSantis is the most positioned to do this. Now, it doesn't matter for Haley if she's doing a really good job consolidating the old guard wing of the Republican Party if that wing is a small minority of the overall voter pool. And what what that poll showed or illustrated is that her lane is extremely narrow. Most Trump voters prefer to sand us by a wide margin as their second choice. Which says that in a two-way between Haley and the former president, the latter support would only harden further. Now, Haley is tailor-made for a New Hampshire primary because they allow cross-party voting there. But in the broader scheme of things, she's essentially John Kasich in 2016. All she is, is accomplishing is ensuring that no other candidate can gain ground. If the goal is to finish second and... Uh, secure some political opportunities in the future, Haley's doing a pretty good job. If the goal is to beat Trump, well, where are the numbers that point to that? They just don't add up. That's not the first poll to show it. Another interesting aspect of this is, you know, everybody's been saying DeSantis has ruined his career by daring to run against Trump. Well, that's not backed by the numbers either. He's the second choice, clearly. And even Trump supporters overwhelmingly prefer him to any other candidate, which includes Vivek Ramaswamy. And he has run a campaign incredibly friendly to the former president while receiving consistent praise from the Trump team of influencers. 
So DeSantis choosing to go ahead and run in 2024 was a win-win for him, just as it has been for past primary candidates. He has built a strong base of support, and he's endearing himself to a majority of the party. If he chooses to run again in 2028, we will probably see a President Ron DeSantis. And all of the uh, online trashing of DeSantis by Trump's campaign, that's been mostly hot air. Very few GOP voters have been buying into their pronouncements. And it's a reminder that assertions repeated ad nauseum by social media bot farms. They're not real life. Turning to Haley, the data we have says she has a hard ceiling that will leave her nowhere near securing the nomination. And fair or not, she's perceived as a 2004-esque candidate with very little connection to the modern GOP. And if Chris Christie drops out, that just might be enough to win New Hampshire, but it's unlikely to translate past that point. Now, here is a problem that I see on the text line, okay? Bill, if Tricky Nicky gets the nomination, I'll vote for RFK Jr. I'll not tolerate Haley. So, what is it about RFK Jr. that, I mean, he's never been in politics, which, you know, it's the same thing as Trump, and he does come from a political family. Okay, I get that too. But um, I will publicly state this. Whoever is the Republican nominee, I will vote for. I will probably vote for my preferred one in, well, no, I won't probably. I will vote for my preferred one in the primary. And whoever wins the nomination will get my vote. Despite all of my misgivings about the Republican Party. Because to turn to the Democrats or to the third party means we turn to the Democrats. And if we're going to get serious about trying to do something about all of this nonsense that comes out of the world politic, uh, we're going to have to get very, very active about it. And the only time we get, you know, this is the thing. When, when, when Trump won the election, I was, I was only in the uh, Second Amendment advocacy. And when Trump won the election, all of these suppliers have been sh building up a supply of AR-15s because everybody's going to make a lot of money off of AR-15s because Hillary Clinton was going to be the president. She was going to ban them. And then there would be a window where you could buy one and get it in under, you know, before the ban takes effect. So everybody was going to make a lot of money on these AR-15s. And then Trump got elected and everybody thought, oh, well, there's no, ch no, no, no chance of gun control now. Which is the, that's, that's sheer hilarity. We've had all kinds of gun control. They did all kinds of stuff under Trump, just not on the federal level. Did all over the states. Thankfully, you got some Supreme Court justices in there that are trying to do something about it to a certain degree. But, um, but everybody in my herd of people at that time simply said, oh, well, we don't have to do nothing now. And that's the way we are. So are we going to take this and, and, and learn from this? And say to ourselves, okay, if we really want to change Congress, we're going to have to change Congress. 
because we had a president in, in, in office for four years and Congress would not work with him for the most part. And it was a Republican Congress. So, of course, when that didn't work out, for whatever reason, we just said, well, you know, we're not going to go vote. So how about that? And then we got Biden. Yeah, he stole the election, no doubt about it. But, I mean, if everybody had stayed home and gone out and voted, I don't think that would have happened. And Trump did get 75 million votes in a fraudulent election. I'm not saying his votes were fraudulent. I'm saying that he went 11 million votes past his first vote total. So if we're going to change Congress, we're going to have to change Congress. So that means we don't elect heroes. We don't elect heroes at all. They're just temps. And on the Republican side, for the most part, they're failures. So we got to quit electing these failures. If we're actually going to get anywhere with this, we got to quit electing the failures. And then when we do elect somebody that moves the ball, as soon as they deviate from that path, they got to go. We bring him back. We call up his office and say, you need to do a town hall today. ASAP. Eyeball him, look him up and down and say, hey, listen, you better get back on that tip you were when you got there. You better not let that, that, that power seduce you. Congress has just put something in place, a design to keep Trump, you know, from leaving NATO because he's the only one that's ever said that we should do that. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. Ah, the text line. It's always great. I love the text line. GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. Um, now, this is coming from Jim and Easley, and I, I've met Jim and Easley. Jim and Easley is a great guy. Um, when you say military-grade ammo, he, he went to the gun show Sunday, which doesn't surprise me. Jim finds the best deals on ammo throughout the city throughout the county. He said, one thing I noticed was a large amount of scary black guns being purchased and the amount of military-grade ammo being sold. Most everyone was leaving with something useful in an emergency. When you say military-grade ammo, are you talking about uh, green, green tips? What are you talking about? Anyway. One of the most nefarious things that this uh, this our, our government's ever come up with is the National Defense Authorization Act. It always has lots of badness in it. It gets passed by people who've never read it. This year, they've included in it a nugget which will, would make it almost impossible for the president to withdraw the United States from NATO without specific congressional approval. Now, this was all designed to go after Trump or to prevent Trump from doing it because he's previously threatened to do this. The measure was spearheaded by Senators Tim Kaine, Democrat, and Marco Rubio, Republican, 
One guy that Trump beat, by the way, was included in the annual National Defense Authorization Act, which passed out of the House on Thursday and expected to be signed by the resident. Now, you can look at this from two perspectives, okay? One of them constitutional and the other one practical. From the constitutional side, that makes fine sense. The founders gave Congress, not the executive branch, the sole right to enter into or exit treaties with other nations. NATO is a definition of an organization founded in a treaty between multiple countries, which was originally intended to create a counterbalance against the Soviet Union and still maintains that function today laughably about Russia. I'm Listen... Russia is not the big, bad, scary bear. But then again, neither was the Soviet Union. We all thought the Soviet, you know, when I was stationed in Europe, we were, our job was to hold for 72 hours. And then they would have uh, done a return of forces to Germany and we would have uh, been in a full on, you know, not just the occupiers, but the the people from the, from the United States as well. And we all thought that in 72 hours, they'd be partying in Paris. But no. That was never the case. Now, I, the original value of NATO, I saw that. And I saw the, the benefit of America's leadership role in it. But NATO was changed. The majority of European members have taken a globalist and socialist turn in re- recent decades. And adding Turkey to NATO's ranks has proven to be nothing short of a disaster in recent years. You know, Turkey's out there pledging support for Hamas. Then there's a matter who actually pays the bills. Well, you pay the most of it. Look, look Look at the funding for the proxy war in Ukraine. Now, all of the NATO members have talked a good game in terms of supporting Ukraine against Russia, even though they still buy natural gas from Russia. But Europe contributes only a pittance compared to what we've been paying. NATO, which was a very good idea. I'm not, I'm not, I've talked a lot about pulling out of it. I'm not sure that's actually what needs to be done. We need to have forward positions in certain places in, in the event that we have to go there to fight it. Because it's better to fight it over there than over here. But we need, you know, just like the United Nations, we need to take a moment and rethink what we're doing. The UN is worse than NATO. They're socialists, they're anti-Israel globalists, anti-American. And yet both of them keep expecting you to keep footing the bill for virtually everything when they can't even manage, you know, to do it themselves, and we can't manage our own budget at home. And we cannot allow globalist groups to set American policies, particularly on the domestic front. So was the inclusion of this in the NDAA a good idea? Well, it's not... It's not good, but it's not bad. But Congress and the White House have to start about how we're participating. They, they need to have this discussion. How are we going to participate in NATO and the UN? 
How are we going to do this going forward? We need more America First policies. And that means that some of our international dealings may need to be tailored accordingly. We can no longer sit back and uh, take on some of this nonsense. On the text line, email me if you can. I'm getting old and I need to sell a bunch of my guns. What's the best and safest way? Take them to Dewey's. You'd be surprised how many people take an entire gun collection to Dewey to sell them. He'll give you a decent price. He'll take them all. And that's the best and safest way. Sell them to an FFL. This is uh, the Democrats. They have their own little problems right now on the text line. Uh, there's a bunch of people defecting from Biden. I, you know, I don't blame them. What, look, look what you're selling, people. What do you, what do you expect? <laughs> I can't see the beginning of that. Jim and Easley, uh, he told me that uh, it was. Full Metal Jacket 556 five, and 223, two, which is, that is military grade. Uh, hunting ammo, well, you know, sometimes you get hollow points or different kind of things, hard cast. So not a lot of hunting ammo was being sold at the gun show. So, as far as NATO goes, one of the reasons that, that Europe is in such problems, the, the problems they're having right now with being taken over by Islamists, is because of NATO, because we spent so much of their of our budget on the NATO budget to where they didn't have to spend anything on the NATO budget. And now they're in danger of, uh, of, of just being, well, being put in a position of submission. We didn't even we, we didn't see that coming back in the eighties. I'll tell you that we didn't see that coming. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Dr. Deborah Mandel. Uh, she uh, she's she's put out an article talking about how to reapproach an estranged family member, especially during the holidays, because I'm sure that's happening in a lot of places. I know it's happening with me, so that's you know. I'll be the object of this lesson coming up. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. We all have a little problem here and there question is how do you deal with it gs plumbing talk line is 1-800-905-0989 the common sense retirement planning text line is 71307 i'm joined now by dr deborah mandel she is a author a podcaster she is a relationship expert and she has her latest book is sassy and rude her new attitude available on amazon as well as other other outlets as well good morning good morning how are you i'm good now 
Dr. Mandel and I spoke about something, but I didn't give her any details. So this is going to be the first time, and this is not really one of these things we're going to be able to solve in one segment, but uh, she's going to give me a few ideas, and you'll give you a few ideas as well. Dr. Dr. Deborah, I was uh, I was married before, and it was uh, I was young, and we had a child. And over the course of time with everything when I left her mother and everything else, uh, she was, shall we say, not raised the way I would have raised her. And that has okay. driven many, many, many wedges between the two of us. And I have, I, in, in certain circumstances, I have been willing and able to want to help her, except she doesn't really want my help. Well, she does as long as it's monetary. Gotcha. And uh, and I don't. The problem is I'm in South Carolina. She's in Salt Lake City, Utah. So I don't even know the real true situation. Now, in this instance, in order for me to try to reengage with her, what should I be doing? Okay, can I get a little bit more personal and get a few more details from you? Sure, sure. Uh, How old is she now? Forty three. 43, okay. And when she was, how young was she when you left the scene? One. Uh, oh, very young. And yes. how much contact did you have with her while she was growing up? Um, well, I was paying child support. Uh, I, uh, I joined the Army, and I had plans to try to be stationed close, but then her mother, up when she was seven, her up, mother upped and moved to uh, Hilton Head, South Carolina. And then from that right. point on, I did not really, uh, even after I got out of the Army, I was I was just not allowed to see her. First of all, I just want to, I'm just holding my heart here, heart space for you. And I'm so sorry because that's such a tragedy in yeah. both of your lives. It's yeah. a loss for her. It's a loss for you. And so many people out there have similar situations where so much of it was outside of your control. And maybe you did everything you could at that time. Maybe you didn't. You did the best you could. You tried. You loved her. You wanted a good life for her. So just hold that space for yourself to understand that that is something to to just not forget and right. to allow yourself that that pain and that that intensity while also moving toward a level of acceptance. When you ask what can you do, you know, one of the things I write about in the Sassy and Rude book that I just wrote, is, which is primarily for mothers and daughters, but it can apply to fathers and sons, fathers and daughters, mothers and everybody, really. It's relationship. Right. And the truth is the best we can ever do in our lives is be accountable for our own self, our own actions, take responsibility, show appropriate remorse for the areas in which maybe you had shortcomings or, or failed her, and t- take that in without shame, without guilt, because you know that your intentions were good. But unfortunately, people don't always read our intentions. So you might actually start with a very heartfelt letter. Do you have you have direct access to her at this time, like via email or? Well, I can try. I, I can try to. I can try to call her, but I, and she will. Well, she will answer my calls sometimes. Okay. Well, then I, I don't even know you, her physical address, though. Okay. Then maybe you start with a text message that say, "Hey, it's Dad here. I know you probably don't perceive me much as a dad." I wasn't much in your life, but I have written this heartfelt letter that I really would love to send to you about my own experience and what I had wished for the two of us. And then see if she's receptive to that. Or you can ask her to share with you all the things that she's resentful for. What has she been holding on that you have an open heart now and you would really love to hear from her what her experience was 
and how she's disappointed in you. And if you can do that without berating yourself or negating your self-worth, because that's the key, right? We want to do this where we still hold, hold ourselves in, in regard and, and not too high of regard, but certainly right. look, most of us do the best we can. So I'm, I, I suggest starting there. Okay. And if she's not receptive at all, then you may, maybe you try again from a different angle. And also take some accountability for how, how did the marriage fail? Because young children, they all they wonder, why did their parents end up divorced? Why couldn't they stay together for me? Because wasn't I lovable enough? Wasn't I important enough? Because they don't understand at that young age all the, uh, con- all the context of an adult's life right. and what, what is going on with them. Right? They don't understand those kinds of problems, issues, perceptions. So you're kind of going backwards now, going back to that time saying, I want to hear what it was like for you. What was your perception of what happened? How could I have been better? How could I have done it differently? Again, not getting rid of your own self-respect because you, you want to do this with some loving boundaries as well. If she wants to just berate you for hours and hours, that's not cool. But she may need to air some of her grievances so that maybe there can be a path and a road to potential healing. One could only hope. One can hope. And yeah. again, that hope hope is wonderful. It can also be our biggest thorn in our side when we hope for something we don't have control over. So be careful to just pay attention to that over which you have control and let go of that which you don't. You cannot control her. She's an adult woman now. Even when she's, she was young, you couldn't, you can't, we really can't control our kids. We do the best, I, the best that we can to kind of corral them in the direction that we hope they're willing to go. Right. Right. But at a certain point, they become their own individual selves. And you just hope that they remember the good stuff that you taught them. Yes. And that's so important for our younger generations to remember that most of the time our parents are doing the best that they can. I mean, clearly there are ill-intended parents out there who really have children for the wrong reasons. And I won't even go into those for this time of year. But certainly most your, your average listener reader, person in this world is, has a good heart. It's trying to do right. And sometimes our children don't know that. They don't understand that. So yep. when they have a receptive ear, it's, it's important to, to share that with them. I mean, you're not alone, Bill. I, you're not. Many people have these experiences, not necessarily to this degree, and I'm so sorry for that. But, yeah, hope, hope to a point, but just do, do your part. Do what you can do. And try to get out of that sort of proud, well, I did everything I could, and it's still not appreciated or grateful, but you can still do a little bit more. Sure. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that. Now, Dr. Dr. Deborah is going to join us again on Friday because I have an anniversary coming up that I have trouble dealing with even to this day. Where uh, And just so you know, Dr. Deborah, this involves the suicide of my first producer, Oh wow! I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah I, I that was that was one that really bothered me deeply. But we're going to talk about that on Friday, and I can tell on the text I'm line. Afraid. I can. I I hope you will come back a lot because I got a lot of questions on the text line. This could be very, very, very good for my audience. Thank you very much for joining us this morning, Doctor Deborah Mandel. New book is called. What is it called? Give me this. It, it is called. Sassy. I'll get S- you. I got it. Sassy and Rude, Her New Attitude, 
And it is basically a tough love guide for moms on how to bring back the sugar and spice in their not-so-nice adult daughters. Mind you, this can apply to fathers and sons, fathers and daughters, coworker to coworker, right? We're trying to establish better relationships and learning what we can do to make that happen. There you get it. Thank you, Doc. I'll talk to you Friday. Okay, awesome. Have a good day. You as well. When we get back, old people are dangerous. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. Yeah, I'm going to have Dr. Sarah back. I got a lot of issues. <laughs> I got a lot of issues. That it, it shapes the book of my life, but I got a lot of issues. We're going to talk to her about, about varying things. But recently in San Francisco, a guy named Albert Marquis, 73 years old, he moved to the United States from Romania to escape communism. And he's been working at this consignment shop for the very longest time. It's called Estates Consignment Shop. Well, a smash and grab group came in with sledgehammers, and the only thing that stopped them was 73-year-old Albert Marcue. Because Albert Marcue was armed. And... Uh, he didn't shoot anybody. He merely presented the weapon. And when they saw the weapon, they did the very smart thing. It's the thing I would do. If you see a weapon, you should run away. <laughs> and as they're coming in, they're coming straight at the counter he's standing at. And he's got his weapon out. And he puts his weapon on each and every one of them. And uh, they run out in, in a, a very rapid fashion. Never heard of uh, heard of that. They they must have some really nice consignments there. Now this was a planned thing because uh, the the door stays locked. It's magnetically locked. So she got a woman was buzzed in, and she held the door open for them to come in. Mister Marquis has worked there since two thousand and seven. So. I have a few questions. First thing first, is he going to get in trouble? Because recently on the left coast, another legal gun owner stopped a crime and he got punished for it. But here's what I, here's what I take away from this. Mr. Mark Hugh was very cool about this. Cool under pressure. He put his weapon up, he got his sights on target, and then he held. He did not fire. He was not going. Uh, he was not going uh, to do like I would do in the turkey pot pie scenario, for example. As soon as he he let them register that they had he had a gun on them, and then as they you know they didn't stop immediately because they were running headlong at the counter he was sitting at. But this is the value of the armed citizen.
No police presence was there. And this is San Francisco, so none would have shown up in any time to do anything but take a report. The only thing that makes a fight equal between a 73-year-old man and a gang of punks is going to be a gun. Likewise, for a 105-pound woman trying to defend herself against a 200-pound would-be rapist. I sincerely hope he doesn't end up facing any legal repercussion for his act of self-defense. Let's go to the text line before we go. Apparently, you know, listen, um, I make no pretense about my first marriage. My first marriage was a mistake. I was young. I thought it was, I thought I was, I mean, this is where I met Russ Castle. That was the, that was one good thing about it. But, uh, I was 18 years old. I didn't I didn't have any idea what I was going to be or what I was going to grow up to be, and I'm getting married. On the text line, Bill, there's a 50-50 shared parenting bill hitting the South Carolina house early this spring. Your platform and what you went through would be very well welcomed by a bunch of people in this state uh, in support of this. As you know, kids need to have both parents in their lives, but the South Carolina family, where's the rest of this court, has many other family. Other, they do not see that. That's true. When uh, when I was going through all of this, um, because I didn't have a really good lawyer, I did not have, like, I get her every other week. I didn't have her every other, you know. So I was entitled to reasonable, uh, reasonable visitation as determined by the mother. And as a very young fella, well, I just didn't have the money to take her back to court. So anyway... More on that later. We'll see. We'll see about that stuff. Without a doubt, the best part of the day is that you are listening to News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas.